You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Don't be all else to me, save that thou art. Would you join me for a word of prayer? Blessed Lord, what a glorious day to gather. And remember the even more glorious rising of your Son from the dead. Bless us as we receive his words this day and all your holy word. That we might be strengthened in faith toward you and in more fervent love toward those around us. We ask this in the precious name of Jesus our Savior. Amen. Well, we, I think human beings in general are just, so much of our storytelling is about where are people's secret sources of strength? Where does it come from? Their ability to to do things that we might have thought at first blush were beyond their abilities. Currently, that's the obsession of our culture in terms of superhero movies. Have you noticed how many movies are superhero movies? When I was in the 80s growing up, it was like Superman came and went, and that was it. That's all we had. Uh, But there have been so many. I, I think it's because people are questing around for a source of strength. And, you know... Superman gets his strength from, of course, the light of the yellow sun because Krypton had a red sun, right? And Spider-Man gets his powers from a radioactive spider. But since radioactive spiders giving out superpowers are in short supply, I think we turn to other stories looking for the answers. Um, and those, those answers, I think, are really the crux of all great stories. But especially, I'm like, the movies I watch when my wife goes out of town because, well, they bore her. Um, you know, I mean, the guy movies, right? I mean, guys, what's the crux of every, movie, every guy movie? It's, it's that moment when the guy decides to crawl over the barbed wire for the sake of his, his buddies in the trench next to him. Or it's that moment when he, he turns to face the enemy because he remembers that story that his grandfather told him. Or the lady at the center remembers that, that saying her mom had said over and over and over again, but finally it clicks and it makes sense, right? Ladies, I know your stories are like this too. I think it's the basis of all good storytelling. Where is the secret source of our strength? And even in the superhero movies, you notice where it comes from? I mean, interesting that they have these superpowers, but what makes them bring it to bear at the crucial moment? It's love. Love that they have for somebody or that somebody has for them. This is what inspires us to move forward, to to turn and face the fears we've always had or the enemy at the gate. Love. And this is what inspired our great heroes in the faith as well. Today we heard from the book of Acts the story of the stoning of Stephen, the proto-martyr, the first martyr. Now in, in Christian experience, 
the, the word martyr comes from the word for witness, like in a courtroom. But Christian witness was always rooted in us testifying to the story of Christ and usually dying as an innocent, or at least being persecuted for it. And the great heroes of the faith who came before us, whether they they were persecuted for the faith, lived for the faith, died for the faith, they were all inspired by the love, not just that they had for Jesus, but the love that God had through Jesus for them. The beauty of their Savior and what God had done through it, Him. That was fixed. It was at the center of their thoughts and their hearts. So they could take whatever courageous action was needed. In their particular moment. In their particular situation. It's not just Stephen. There's a lot of others. People... Like I'm going to tell you a little bit about later in my sermon, like Perpetua and Felicity, people like Ignatius of Antioch, people like Polycarp, people like John Huss, who for the sake of the love that God had shown them through Jesus and the love they had for those around them who needed to hear the story of Jesus and come to faith themselves, were willing to endure tremendous difficulties and even death. See, they knew the truth of Jesus' words to us today in the Gospel reading. And there's a, this is one of two readings I get most requested at funerals from Gospel readings. And there's a reason why. It brings us such comfort to hear Jesus say these words. I am the way, the truth, and the life. See, Jesus is not just a teacher of a way. There have been a lot of great moral teachers from Aristotle to Confucius. But Jesus says, I am the way. Jesus himself is the one who will take us. He is the path to heaven. He is the path to the Father. And he will take us on that journey if we stay with him. He's the truth. He is God's chosen one. He comes with a definitive word from God. And anyone who would try to dissuade us from his way and his word and trust in him, however well motivated they are, speaks a lie. And he is the life. See, most of the things we do, most of the things we will spend our energy on and our time on in this life are to acquire more life. Things we think will add materially to our happiness or the quality of our life. And so we, we struggle and we, we work hard for love. We work hard for status and power. We work hard for security. But Jesus gives us these things in a way that they can't be taken away from us. The love of God and Jesus Christ can't even be taken away from us by death. This is why faith, hope, and love abide, but the greatest of these is love. Because you won't need hope and faith when we get where we're going, folks. The status we are given as children of God, heirs with Christ of all that the Father has to give, is a higher status than anything the world could bestow on us. I don't care how many likes you get on Facebook. (laughs) You don't get that kind of status. 
hour. We are told that we will judge nations and that angels will do our bidding and be our servants. Security. What greater security can we have than to know that though we die, yet shall we live? What greater security can we have than to know that this life is not just meaningless stuff bumping into each other? And as one philosopher said, one darn thing after another, only he didn't say darn. But instead, has profound meaning, meaning that echoes into eternity. And our efforts at loving as Jesus loved make a world of difference for all eternity. Love, status, power, security, all these are given to us by God through Jesus Christ. And this is what allowed the martyrs to live as they live and even die as they died. Because most of us, what we call sin, the stuff we fall into, now sometimes we do it deliberately because I just feel like, you know, doing something. But most of the time it's because we forget that every command God has given us is because He loves us and He's demonstrated that through the resurrection and the crucifixion of Christ. And that every word of hope He gives us is because He loves us. And for a moment, maybe it's just a moment, but it's a critical moment. I stop worshiping at the altar of God and I start worshiping at the altar of Brett Jenkins. That sounds like a good plan, God, but I've got a better one. The martyrs, the love, the beauty of their Savior was so vivid in their mind's eye that they could in that critical moment not back up to their own plan but stay on God's plan. And so we tell their stories to inspire us to greater faithfulness. This is why Paul could say in our reading from Philippians today, he could say, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now the second part we get, right? To die is gain, that's easy. I get to go and see that room that God's been preparing for me, that special room that He has in mind for me where everything's been prepared just with all my needs in mind. That place in His kingdom, tailor-designed by one who knows me better than I know myself. That sounds easy. But to live as Christ? To live as Christ means that He knows that if he stays in the flesh serving those around him, Christ is living through him. As he stays on Christ's way, as he is part of Christ's way, Christ's truth is working out through him in love as he teaches and and cares for those around him. And Christ's life is active in him. Truly blessing those around him as he goes. These are the things that inspire those who set a great example for us in the faith. Love that God has shown us through Christ and love of those around him. This is what inspired Perpetua. Perpetua um, 
lived in Carthage around the turn of the 3rd century. Around, she was martyred somewhere between 202 and 205. Um, she was the daughter of a noblewoman. And what's interesting about Perpetua's story is that we have it in her own words. Most of the early saints and the martyrs, we have sort of semi-mythological kind of stories that other people have told them. We actually have Perpetua's diary. And she, in her own words, tells what she went through, at least till she gets in the ring. And she was inspired. She, she was convicted of the truth of the story of Jesus. But there was a rule. There was a mild persecution going on at this moment that very much as is true in in certain Muslim countries today, you weren't persecuted for being a Christian, but if you converted to Christianity, you were executed. But she was convicted. Her father and her husband were both well-placed, influential pagans in Carthage, but she was convicted of the truth of the story of Jesus. And her father comes to her and he says, why can't you just pretend to be a pagan just for the sake of your family's honor and for the sake of your newborn child? She had an infant. And she said to her father, do you see this water pot? Can you really call it by any other name by what it is? And he said, well, no, of course not. She She says, I can't call myself by any other name than what I am. And then her father attacked her physically, and she escaped. And somewhere in the next couple of days, she and her basically lady-in-waiting, but who was a slave in her home, Felicity, they both got baptized along with a small group of other people. And, uh, of course, they were arrested and taken to prison. And there, they were put in the worst part of the prison, the most horrible conditions. She explains how it was. She'd never experienced such a dark before. And the heat of the other human bodies and the smell, all of this is in her diary. And the worst pain of all was being separated from her infant who was nursing. And Satyrus, who had their catechist, the one who'd been teaching them the faith... Uh, he wasn't under, he, he, he was under no ban because of the law, because he already was a Christian when the law was instituted. But he said, you know what, I can't really let them suffer in there by themselves. So he went and stayed with them in prison and put himself up for execution as well. So he could minister to them in prison. One of Perpetua's two brothers had also become a Christian and he said to his sister, you know, you... you know, ask God for a vision. Maybe God will will let us know what's going to happen to us. And she did, and she was praying earnestly for that. And at one point, she had a dream. And in that dream, she saw a golden ladder. They were in in a Colosseum, and in the middle, there was a golden ladder going up to heaven. And on both sides of the ladder were knives and swords and spears where if you fell off, you'd be cut to ribbons. And at the top was her catechist, Satyrus, saying, come on up, we're waiting for you. But there was a problem. And all around the ladder were tons of, of Christians. And you ever have, you've had dreams where you just know what you're supposed to do? Do you ever have that experience in a dream? She knew she was supposed to go up the ladder, but the problem was there was a snake coiled around the base of the ladder. And as she drew close to it, it reared and, and spit and, and hissed at her. And she knew it would strike her. 
But she looked at all the other Christians around her and she knew they would not have the courage to live as Christians unless she stepped over that snake and onto that ladder. So she stepped on the head of the snake as the first rung and climbed the ladder in the dream. And in the dream, she was when she got to a verdant pasture, uh, she was greeted and was given sweet curds to eat and when she woke up the sweet taste was in her mouth and her brother interpreted the dream to her and said it looks like we're going to die as martyrs but it'll be okay we'll be in heaven with Jesus and indeed that's what happened they were eventually taken to the Colosseum but not until her father had visited her one more time and tried to guilt her into into, into denying her faith she, they had restored her child to her, so she was nursing her child in, in the prison, and her father was trying to persuade her for the sake of his old gray hairs to just deny this craziness she was involved in. And in her, in her diary, she writes, I felt such pity for him, but his counsels were the counsels of Satan, and I couldn't follow them. So they took this group of Christians in after mocking them viciously, they put the men to one side of the Colosseum, put the, put the carnivorous animals with the men. I think it was a leopard and a wild boar and something else. And then they put the women over to one, the other side, Perpetua and Felicity. Felicity had just given birth to her own child about three days before. And um, they put a wild heifer with the women. And the animals proceeded to tear at them and gore them and tram- trample them. But they didn't die. And this crowd that had come for a blood sport, even they were moved with pity for what they were seeing before. And they eventually started crying out, end this. Put them to death, cleanly and quickly. So gladiators entered the arena with swords to kill them all. Unfortunately, the one who went to Perpetua, either he was new at his job, or he was too broken hearted by what he was seeing to do the job well. So he injured her worse, but didn't kill her. Until finally, she took the point of his sword and put it to her own neck and told him what to do. Perpetua had the courage to live as she lived and die as she died. To face a world telling her she was wrong to do what she did. Because she knew of the love God had for her in Christ. And she knew of the love she had for her child. Her father. The gathered crowd who all needed Christ as badly as she did. And the hope of salvation that he alone could bring. These loves gave her the courage to do what is right. We often wonder how we will have that courage when the moment comes. And most of us will not be called upon to give our lives in the service of the gospel. But each of us are called upon to make choices every day that unmarked and unnoticed by the world run contrary to things the world would have us do. We can make our corner of the world a little bit more like heaven as we follow Christ and live a little bit more in His way and His truth and His life. That's why we tell the stories we tell. That's 
why we tell as Christians the stories of the martyrs and the other great heroes of the faith who teach us how to live because they lived with Christ and for Christ and for the love of those around them. Will you join me for a word of prayer? Blessed Lord, we think on these amazing people. Each of us have heroes we look up to in this world. Help us to look up to our heroes in the faith as well. And especially, preeminently. Help us to follow their example by knowing how you lived and died for us, so turning to live and die for you. We pray that we don't have such difficulties before us as Perpetua and Felicity did, but we pray that you would inspire us by their example to live more loving lives, more lives that are more self-sacrificing, lives that are filled with your love for our neighbors, for our families, and for the world for which your son gave his life. It is in his name we pray. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Be thou my best thought in the day and the night. Waking or sleeping, thy presence my.